welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast, where we'll discuss all things coon hounds, from competition hunting to pleasure hunting with family and friends. I'm your host, Alan Bridges, and we'll take an in-depth look at our hounds from the whelping box to the winter circle and all the stops in between. So grab your notebooks and your pencils because class is in session. Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. Find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com and Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHU Podcast at checkout and receive 5% off on nighthunters.com. If you're in the market for a new dog box, go over and check out GNR Cedar Dog Boxes on Facebook or go give Gavin a call at 615 Six two five two six six. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back again with special guest Paul Glover from where are you from, Paul? I'm from La Crosse, Indiana. La Crosse, Indiana. That's in the northwest part of the state, right? Yeah, it's about two hours north of Indianapolis. I got you. So, Paul, tell us about how you got started with coon hunting or when you got started coon hunting and tell us about your line of dogs just just tell us your story and you know don't leave anything out all righty i'll try to to fit it in in a short little amount of time we got here well take uh, your time i've uh i've pretty well hunted since i was i'd say five years old and uh my dad was always a pleasure hunter and he'd pack me around here and there you know and i remember pretty young in age i'd ask dad to take me hunting during the week and he wouldn't let me go because of school and everything and i'd find myself staying up to two or three in the morning waiting to, to dad pulled in the driveway to see how many coons he had killed and uh it's just kind of always been a passion of mine and i know some kids start out pretty young and they might grow out of it and stuff but it's been something that I see myself dying doing. How old were you when you were waiting on your dad till two or three in the morning? Oh, I was, you know, three, four, five, six, real young, you know. When He's did hunted. he when did he start letting you go on the regular basis? I'd say probably nine, ten years old. We'd hunt pretty pretty steady. I was about twelve. We had a we had a couple of spots right here around the house. We dad had a couple pair of black dogs back then and uh he let me he let me take the truck on down the road at 12 13 years old and i'd hunting two black dogs together and found myself with two handling two dogs and a coon and a gun most of the time we hunted them till i'd say i was probably i was probably late teens when they both finally grew old in age and uh, I had that black dog. Her name was Dixie. She was actually, she probably had a shot of cur in her. The way my dad talked, he had that dog Ace. I think they were they were pretty well kin to each other, cousins or something. But uh, treat a lot of coons and black dogs, and that's what I started out with originally. Well, how long have you been hunting, Paul? I've been hunting. I'm thirty. I'll be thirty three in October, so I'd say twenty years plus. Got you close to it when i was 16 years old i hunted i hunted just about every night i we actually moved to kentucky uh eastern kentucky when i was i think early early teens 14 15 somewhere in there and when i got my license i had i met a boy from school that coon hunted his name was lincoln brown and we'd hunt we'd hunt at least five six nights a week and i never did get in trouble back then for getting home too late but we'd stay out in the weekends till daylight most of the time especially during the off when we was off school through summer and stuff we we pretty well hunted seven nights a week and we'd stay out all night long so it's something that it's just something i've i guess it goes back to my roots that black and tan was actually the first dog i had that i actually my dad let me train her myself. I, he he coached me along the way, but I spent many nights with her. Learned a lot. Learned a lot from her. Really, being my first dog and stuff. That's that's the that's the beginning of my story. 
Well, that takes us through what your teenage years. Yeah, I'd say probably to my teens till until I got into uh, the English Dogs, which I think I got into them. I was. What happened was that that black and tan. I I let a guy use her for a a pup trainer, and that's when I was living in Kentucky, and she ended up dying on me. I think she was probably twelve, and Dad had a friend named John Noble. He had this old female named named Wendy. He called me one day and he said, "I know you lost your dog." He said, "I got an older female over here." He said, "I'd like to like to give her to you." So I went and picked her up. I think she was she was probably six. She was a night champion dog, and uh, Buck Creek's Wild Wendy was her name. She was her sire and dam were just pleasure hunt, you know, just behind the barn dogs and. Uh, the sire was directly off of Woodstock Redman. No, he was directly off St. Nick, and the mother was directly off of Redman. So the windy females kind of what hooked you on English dogs? Yeah, that's everything I got today goes right back to her. I'd say her biggest hole was she probably had too much no, nose and maybe not enough brains to move one. That's what that's where my English dog started from was, was her and I was living in Kentucky at the time, and I think I hunted her. I bet she was 11 years old. She was just a dog you cut loose, and I know a couple of guys that, that know about her. You cut her loose, you might as well get your Nikes on and and plan to go along for the ride because she wasn't coming back because she was treated somewhere. If you wear Nikes down here, you're going to be cut all to pieces. <laughs> about needing to climb them them Appalachians oh I'm south of the mountains <laughs> but yeah she was uh that's back before that's back before garments were, were a thing and you cut her loose it's hard telling where he's gonna pick her up but I actually lost her twice and I found her the next day both times treed and I know the one time was about noon and she was she was laying under the tree just barely 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 treed but she stayed that's a pretty good trait to have a dog you know these you see some talk about my dog tree for an hour or two and this little thing here she treed to the next day till you got there that's right that's a stay put tree dog yes dead loner she was i don't think i ever pulled her off a tree with another dog and uh you know probably her biggest hole was you know she would straddle some bad tracks but she'd always finish them. She had, she had heart in her that I, I've been hard to find, in in many dogs nowadays. You know, it, I had somebody ask ask a question one time if if the old school dogs were could compete with the new age dogs. If you actually read through the comments and stuff, you you find out that somebody was somebody's measuring stick was from 20 years or older that's right and you know so do i think they could absolutely i think dogs back then were you know they had their weak points but they had their strong points and you you treat a lot of coon with them and uh they were they were honest old dogs i think we bred wendy this is this is way before i ever even got into competition hunting i didn't know anything about it we heard about a dog. I lived in Moorhead, Kentucky at the time. My dad called John Noble. He said, hey. What, what year was this, roughly? This was probably 2007, I'd say. So this is, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. My dad called John. He said, uh, he said, I don't know. We never had the, the magazines. We didn't keep up with these stud dogs and stuff, you know. And uh, John said, well, he said, there's there's a dog over there, not too far from where, where we're at. And he said, give him a call. And it's, it was Stanley Nichols. And he had Main Street Max. We didn't know nothing about the dog, but we just knew that she was in heat and we wanted to breed her. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about Max at the time. We took her over there to, to Stanley's and, and we got her bred and, I think she was bred once before to, uh, to Charlie Seven, and I think she only had, I think, one pup lived. She she wasn't a good mother. She never had real big litters, 
and out of Max, we had one. We had four pups. I think she might have had a couple more, but I think she laid on them or something. But at that time, I was 18 years old, and I had gotten in a little bit of trouble. When I finally got home, you know, she she had her pups, and they were they were a month old. I told Dad, I said, I'm going to keep that male right there, and I'm going to keep I'll keep this female here. I'll keep two of them just in case one don't pan out. That's where I got my. You've probably heard me post on them, a, a Main Street Rambling Rambo dog. Mm-hmm. And I started the female along with him, and I ended up I ended up selling her. She was a pretty fair little dog too. But that that's where I got the old Rambo dog, and he's he's my pride and joy, and he's he's my measuring stick from what what he turned out to be. But Wendy ended up passing away. I think he was he was probably six months old. I was just getting ready to to really start hunting him, and she got treed one night down in Montgomery County, Kentucky, and we just had our quick track at the time, and she'd been treed for a while. We was we was trying to drive around. She was at the head of this big hauler somewhere, and trying to find a closer way to her, and. You know, as many nights as I spent with this dog, I knew for a fact that she had never, she had never left a tree. And she quit treeing on me, and we drove around, and I bet I drove around for two weeks looking for this dog. And she was probably 12 years old at the time. I don't know if somebody went in there and took her, or, or she just had a heart attack and died under a coon. I couldn't tell you. I never, I never did find her. Mm. That's tough. But it was, it was, you know, I was probably 18 years old at the time. And I was actually hunting with, with a guy that handled dogs for, for Stanley at that time. I forget what his, his last name was, McCoy. I forget what his first name was. And I didn't know nothing. I drew, I went to Carter County Club down there and uh, truth be told, I'm going to tell the truth on everything. I was a young teenager, and uh, she was going on past. The dogs were treated slick, and she was going on past, and they told me to handle my dog. So I handled her, and she was still running. And uh, they ended up flipping a coin and giving the coin flipper, a, which I wasn't in on that. I think it was between the judge and the guide. And they put them some plus points and got them a win. That was a little UKC hunt. I didn't, I didn't know no better, you know. You know, as, as time goes on, I— started hunting Rambo and he was six, seven months old. And a lot of people call me crazy by the way I start dogs, but it's just something, it's just the way I've, you know, this, this dog right here is, is probably what taught me everything that I know about coon hunting. And I mean, I've asked a lot of old timers things along the way, you know, on how to correct this or that, you know, and, uh, six, seven months old, you, you cut Rambo loose and, from the first night I ever I ever hunted him, he's I never could. You had to go catch him. You know, he wasn't something that ever rubbed your rubbed your ankles or and this was down here in the mountains. So I spent a lot of time trying to find him. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, he was he was more of a track minded. He he started running track probably eight months old. He he run tracks all night long. He never would look up. I think I showed him one cage coon and he never would do nothing with it, you know, and anymore, a lot of people's, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of pups from people that, that thinks their dog's not interested in a coon because they won't bark at one. You see a lot of them come up for sale like that. Well, I'll take one. I got an old dog, the best dog I ever, I ever cut loose and never would have admired one, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got him, and he he started running tracks, and I actually took a couple cage coon down down there. You have to, you know, you're not going to come across no hot tracks on top of you. It's probably the same way as it is where you're at. It's been I, tough lately. Yeah. It, well, you got them sows laid up. We got kittens right now in dens. People's been posting videos of kittens. I know them sows probably ain't moving too far right now, but anyway. Well, I tell you, I've the main place that I have to hunt right now, I think I've 
Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they are proud to offer amazing financing options from 30 days, same as cash, to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit. They'd love to have you. Conkeys Outdoors, houndsmen, helping houndsmen. Treed one and caught one in the river in the last two months on that place. And wow. I've been fooling with a few young dogs and I got a new little project that's going on and she's doing okay. She's never been hunted much in her entire life, but man, she's, she needs some, she needs some correction. Uh, she's, she'll tree coons, but she'll tree anything that climbs or goes in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Them's the hard ones to break too. Well, she's gamey. I'll say that. Yeah, that's a good start, though. I'd rather have something gamey than not gamey. Trash never did bother me none. The old dog there, and hey, he was running tracks and everything. Well, I'd take some cage coon out to him, and I I wouldn't show him the coon. I'd turn him loose, and I'd let him run a little while, you know. I started letting him get on some hotter tracks. And I think he was, back then, I ended up quitting high school and stuff, and I was traveling up north here with dad we was was up here working throughout the week i'd i'd bring him with me i finally took him out one night dad said let's go cut that let's go cut that dog loose by himself and i said well i said i don't know he said let's just go see what he'll do we'll go to this little patch woods over here and that was that was the night the i think he was just right at a year old you know about the age now where people where people call him and uh he went in there and run a track and fell treed and he was every breath he was 120 plus bark tree dog i tied him up to that tree and i let i walked back to the truck i let him tree probably 20 minutes i rolled that coon out to him and after that he just started treeing coon every drop it's just like once he flipped you know he just started treeing coons and he kind of when he was a one-year-old he went he went through a, a ground pound stage you know which it didn't bother me none. And dad, dad makes fun of me all the time. He said, you know, he said, nowadays, I, I doubt you would have kept that dog. I said, well, that dog right there showed me, you know, what a dog like that can turn into. And, you know, during the winter months, frost was thick and stuff, you know, he, he would drive you nuts as a one-year-old. But, you know, he reminded me a lot of his mother. Mm-hmm. He'd start something, he'd always finish it. And he was, he was deadly accurate when he's, he didn't like the tree just to hear him. He was a pretty tree dog. He's probably the best tree dog I've unsnapped, but he didn't tree just to hear himself. He, he liked to be sure that the coon was there. And I'd say by two, he finally, he finally learned how to really drift out of track. Mm-hmm. But he was my first dog that I actually started competition hunting with. And I actually made a post on the UKC forums and you know i'm I'm a young teenager i see a lot of youth you know asking questions it's, it's better just to be kind to them and answer them i made a post on the ukc board and i i told him about my dog and stuff and he was he was a year and a half old i'd say i had a couple comments well if you got to ask if your dog's ready for the hunt maybe you shouldn't even even bother even going to town and taking them well those kind of folks wear me out yeah so you know i i didn't know nothing i i've been i was always a pleasure hunter so i honestly never went to a hunt i said well maybe you know this is words of wisdom here maybe i maybe i don't know if he's ready i think i was around 20 years old that i ended up moving moving back up here where i'm at now and that's where i've been ever since he turned about three years old and i was like you know i'm gonna I'm going to see what this, what this dog's made of. I, I truly didn't know what I had. And I learned a lot of, I think back then them hunts were $20. I learned a lot of $20 lessons, but you know, I, I never did quit. And I had a, a guy tell me one night this, you know, back then, 
you went to the UKC hunts, you had you had more of a lot of the dogs were more pack style back then. That was the big thing, you know. Highest score wins when you come back to the club. It ain't like it is now. But back then, I had a had an old timer tell me. He said, "Young man, he said your dog. He said he'll never make it as a competition dog." And I said, "Well, why is that?" He said, "Well, for one, your dog's by himself too much." He said, "You'll never score high enough to ever do good." And I said, "Well, I said he might be alone all the time, but he's he's got a coon. That's that's what wins hunts, ain't it?" I never, I never did score real high with him, you know, six seventy five, somewhere in there, you know, six hundreds. I'd score about three coon in a hunt because he was a dog that was really deep and lonely. Back then, that that wasn't the popular thing. That's the style of dog he was, and I think I made him a night champion. And I actually quit taking him to the hunts for a while. He got run off a couple trees and my mind said i'm not i'm not going to ruin my dog you know for these hunts it, these hunts didn't mean nothing to me so i i think i started him at 3 years old in the hunts i made him a night champion i quit going for a while i just went back to went back to pleasure hunting but i didn't hunt him in another hunt for i think it was 3 years he was probably 6 years old when i when i finished him out you know I didn't know anything about stud dogs. None, I never kept up with none. This is my early 20s, 21, 22, you know. I had Facebook back then. I I made me a little stud ad and, you know, trying to do like everybody else does. And old night champion, Main Street Ramblin' Rambo. And I'd post quite a bit on the English page and stuff. And I offered to show the dog. You know, I told him what he was. And, I had a, we're actually pretty good friends now. I, I mentioned his name. He probably remembers this. Brian Bubba Smith. I think a lot of people know him. He's he's handled some dogs uh, through the years. He he messaged me. He said, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock your dog or anything. He said, but, uh, you know, your dog's just a night champion. You know, he hasn't proved himself in any hunts of any sort. He hasn't done this and that. And he's, I'm not saying he's not a nice dog, he said, but that's what people was looking for to breed to. So I said, well, I said, I'll take that in consideration. I said, just just keep watching. And at this time, I had a dog by the name of Main Street Hooker. I had I called Stanley Nichols, and I said, Stanley, I really like my dog that off of Max. I said, you, you don't have anything else. He said, well, I've got a little female here. He said she she got started and she's kind of been put on the back burner. I think she was close to two years old. And he he gave me a price, you know, fifteen hundred for started young dog. He said I'll let you take her up there. He met us down there in Louisville, me and Dad, and we brought her up north here. And I think the first three nights, this thing didn't do nothing. And I think she even chewed on a deer carcass. I think she caught a possum on the ground. She didn't. She didn't treat coon for three nights, and uh, we turned her loose in a little patch. And she ended up. She ended up laying the coon up first crotch, and uh, it was probably one or two in the morning. Thing was sound asleep. I looked at Dad. I said, "I said let's buy her." He, he kind of looked at me. He said, "Well, he said you going to hunt her." I said, "Absolutely." You know, she, she went hunting. You know, by herself. That's. That's my biggest thing. If something will go hunting, I, I can usually do something with it. And she showed me that she could tree a coon. She was, I think she was probably 18, 19 months old. At this time, I'd hunt Rambo a little bit. And I, I hunted her, I bet I hunted her six nights a week steady. She wouldn't go over 300 yards by herself. She'd come back in. She'd try to check in on me. I'd pull out the little switch. I'd send her back in until she finally got treed. I'd done that for a little while. She finally figured it out. She'd go in there and she'd tree coons. And so I started taking her to the hunts. And she was about stone cold silent. She's actually a full litter mate to the Main Street Mac dog that, that Mark Gittner has. I granted her out, I think, the first year that I that I put her in them hunts. Actually, the night I granted her out, I had a guy try to scratch me for, for not running track. And... 
one of my buddies was with me. He said, you see, you ain't scratching that dog. He said, she's treated coon around our dogs all night long. He said, that dog deserves the win tonight. And she, she ended up making grand that night. And I think I, I took her to one hunt and it was autumn oaks. Judge pulled a fast one on me and I actually got scratched. And I, if I would have had that coon scored, I would have gotten a grand 16 with her. But they, at the end of the hunt, I drew a pretty nice red bone that night. Kentucky Moonlight Woody was his name. And old man from Kentucky owned him. And I helped him find his coons, you know, like anybody should. I know a lot of guys won't do that in them big hunts, but I want the better dog to win. And I think he scored on three or four coons. And me and him was pretty close. I was taking low end strike all night. And Hooker was off to herself split. I treat her in first. And. Judge said, go ahead and handle your dog. We'll go handle these. And I heard I heard the three dogs off to the side, and they come back to my tree. And I learned a hard lesson this night. I said, I'll take my first two. She was on a big, giant oak tree, and I was able to shine all the way around it. I just picked the prettiest spot I could find, hit that squalor with my red light. Coon looked at me, and Judge said, you're scratched. He said, I never did handle my dog. And the judge was in. 300 something in the hole it's it's just a hunt you don't forget you know mm -hmm. i said okay my, my coon was sitting right there and i leashed up my dog i went back to the truck i think i hunted her at southern english days one year i withdrew because she got way out of pocket on me and they were hunting feeder buckets and they kept treeing off in feeders and she was way off, way opposite direction. I never even could hear her. Well, I tell you, I would have won a lot more hunts if I had kept my light turned off. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that after that hunt right there. I, I always ask the judge, even if I know better, I said, can, can I squall? Which now you can, you know. One thing that's always bothered me is when people are standing around at the tree and they're on the cast and they refused to put their light up in a tree. And and I always said to myself, if I get beat because I helped somebody find their coon, I'm good with that. <laughs> and, and I've been beat several times because I found the dog's coon. The dog, the dog deserved it, you know? Oh yeah. And you know, that that's what you're supposed to do. And, right. you know, some people want to win more than, than they want to, be you know, a good sport. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I, I'm the one that's got to look at myself in the mirror every morning. So, I'm I'm good with with uh, getting beat if 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 I find somebody else's coon there at the end or or, or whatever. But I, I I know what you're saying. I actually have scratched someone for squalling at a tree when they weren't supposed to. Uh, yeah. And that was just because the rule said so. And he was a big. He was a mainly I say a big, but he was mainly a PKC hunter, and he didn't he didn't realize it and. You know, it's as a hunting judge, it's not my responsibility to make sure everybody else knows the rules. Right. So uh, when he did it, I said, man, you're, you're scratched. I'm sorry. I hate it. <laughs> but, and, and to his credit, he was a good sport about it. He says, I didn't know. I'm like, sorry, man, I'll show it to you on the car. And he's like, no, no, I believe you. But yeah, I mean, this sportsmanship's a big deal. And, and, you know, sometimes, in these hunts, you're the windshield, and sometimes you're the bug. So. Oh, yeah. But, yes, she, uh, she ended up passing away on me at uh, five years old. She had uh, the vet said she had her lichia. You know, I took her in. I, she was acting awful strange and uh, put her on that doxycycline. And four days after her prescription was up, she was she was laying in the dog doghouse dead. Mm. so i'm not i'm not sure if that's what killed her or not but that's that's where my my battle with with tick fighting has it all began right there and it's just it's a never-ending battle with them things oh yeah that's a fact it seems like there's something new that pops up every year or two with dogs and ticks i've tried everything you know and the vet will always say you know 90 99% of the time, an outside dog is going to have limes. You know, it always shows exposed. Or I get, I've done the vaccines, the boosters, everything. I still do it just, just in case. You know, it does work. But I've noticed it affects 
it affects every dog differently. You bet. And no doubt my Rambo dog, I guarantee you he had it. I didn't. Young, dumb teenager, I didn't take that dog to the vet not one time. I guarantee he had something wrong with him. Back to that Rambo dog for a minute. I remember that that Brian had said to me. I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and finish. I finished her out the grand and I got a little bit better with the rules and kind of knew the little tricks, you know, some good little handler tricks. People try to pull on you. I was always ahead of that game. I just went in there and just called my dog. You know, he was always by himself. I, most of the time then you had more, more of the pack style dogs used. Most of the time there was, there was two or three dogs on the same tree. I'd wait till they go ahead and tree unless I just ambushed one. They'd handle their dogs, and I'd say, you hear me through there? I'd say, Tree Rambo, and they that's back when Leash Lock. I'd Leash Lock him every time, and I ended up granting him, I think, in the first five or six hunts for grand I put him in. I had him laid up for a while. I had a young dog by the name of Main Street Dino off of uh, Main Street Dino, and said this is Red Ruby Hard Time Susie Dog. I was pushing him awful hard, and uh, this was back in 2014. I think he was probably right around a year old. I said, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over here to Blue Tick Days, National Blue Tick Days, preen hunt. I think I won. I won my cast uh, Friday night. I didn't. I didn't place. Saturday night, I won my cast with I think six six twelve and a half or whatever that that split is it was kind of a fun hunt we got we got stopped by a game warden on one drop and the judge or nobody never called timeout i heard rambo load up throws locate and i treat them they kind of just looked at me i say none of you boys called timeout all the guys started treating their dogs after that game warden standing right there we ended up going scoring them they had a coon i think i was down Are you in the market for a new dog box and just don't know which one to get? That's why I encourage you to go check out GNR Cedar Dog Boxes, especially if you're wanting something different. GNR Cedar Dog Box was established in 2016 when two avid hunters wanted a dog box that was affordable and great looking at that. They provide a high quality, handmade, lightweight box to the customers. They take pride in the fact that their boxes are fully cedar, which will last a lifetime in all types of weather conditions. Cedar also ensures your hounds stay a little warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. You can find out more about GNR Cedar Dog Boxes on Facebook. G- find them at GNR Cedar Dog Boxes or give them a call at 615-962-5266. They're located in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, USA. Down by 50 points. He, he, was, mo- he was usually a third strike dog on average. I seen this little tiny patch. And I already, I had a friend with me. I said they're gonna, they're gonna try to drive. The guy's gonna try to drive home right here. There was maybe ten minutes left in the hunt. Turn us loose in this little patch, and three blue dogs went in there, and got in a big hole in the ground, and I didn't know where my dog was, and have a clue where he was. And they finally got them dogs rounded up, and I could just barely hear them. I told that judge, I said, "You hear me." He said, yeah, I said, Sprite and Tree Rambo right, went way through there. He said, how far is he? I said, I said, well, I said, if you want to walk it, I said, he's 0.82. He was across, he blew through that patch, went across the field, across the next road, and he was treating a little slough there, and he had a, he had a coon up a bush. And that's, I ended up winning a uh, first place grand night that night. That, it might have not meant much to a lot of people, but it meant something to me back then, you know. He'd been laid up for, I don't think I hunted him for six months. And them boys laughed at me and I pulled in. I said, this old dog ain't been pulled out of kennel in six months. And I'm going to, I'm just going to whip him out and go tree some coons. And ended up, ended up winning that night with him. But that's, I think I hunted him in Oaks when he was probably 14 months old. He blew out of the, I drew, I had a bad register cast. I don't know how many of those you've been on them big hunts, but they're usually a freak show. Uh, about every cast. <laughs> them dogs ran that same little woods and cornfield for the whole hunt. 
Rambo treated Coon right off the bat, and we recut him, and he left the country. Yeah, going and, to those uh, big hunts, everything's got to. You got to yeah. catch every break imaginable. You got to oh, it, get there on time and safe. You got to get confirmed. You you draw out with the folks that you're going to hunt with, and you have to have a, a decent guide. For me, going to those big hunts, they don't know who I am, and I never carry the card in those things. So you got to hope you get a guy that knows the rules and knows how to apply them, and then you hope you chemistry on the cast with the with the handlers there is good and then you got to have some luck and you got to catch some breaks uh, oh, it, I'm, I'm usually get you know they're safe and get confirmed on time the rest is a toss-up <laughs> i, I just yeah, I, I tell my buddies i never have any luck with those big hunts that's why i don't go anymore <laughs> it costs a lot of money to go to as well that's that's one department i've always lacked in was being able to afford to to a campaign you know like some of these guys it's expensive for sure oh yeah it's i was single then but i wasn't good with money didn't know how to man i spent every nickel i had on young dogs or you know just i spent it was all on coon hunt most of the time and i actually did the math one time i just curious on what it cost to uh to hunt a dog for a year and if you if you hunt one right you know if you hunt one hard and you lay out in the woods with it it's it's around five thousand dollars mm-hmm. easy so it, it's definitely not cheap and that's you know five thousand dollars a year out of out of your yearly income you know i'm pushing a dog and that's just but, hunting them that's not counting your entry fees oh no, that's that's just that's just taking them to the woods that's just the easy part I don't think PKC was was too heavy up here at that time when I had him. Or if I had him today, I wish I did. That's that's all I would hunt that dog in was PKC because he was getting through there. He was 100% dead loner, and this this is all natural. He had a coon when he parked. He was a lot of people can argue with with percentages on dogs, you know, and. Well, if you got a seven, yeah, seventy percent accurate. That's actually a pretty fair dog if you actually do the the math on it. Nine out of ten times, I was walking to a coon to this dog. Mm-hmm. He was just a dog you cut loose when he got treed. You might as well just start loading it. He was confident to see one. That's right. He's the I've, only one I like that. I've had one or two that it was it was a surprise when you didn't see the coon. Yeah, they do exist. And uh, a lot of people just haven't had the privilege. You know, I've been, I've been blessed to at least own one like that in my life. Mm-hmm. He's my measuring stick. But he's, you know, them two dogs right there is really when I started competition hunt. I just hunted UKC and didn't. There were just PKC hunts around, really. To, you know, they didn't have these legacies, pro classics, all that. They had. The, the pro hunts, which I couldn't afford to go to anyway. But them's two dogs right there that, you know, I could hunt. I would hunt against about anything, and I'd give them a good run. I'd I'd get beat, you know, but I'd always be I'd always be in the fight. You bet. So so today, do you mainly hunt PKC or do you hunt UKC or do you still hunt both? I've been hunting. You know, this last dog I had, I I got his five cast wins for the tournament of champions and then i the next year i i just went ahead and finished them the grand but as far as you know traveling around the winter classic all this stuff i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend the money to go to them and not really get nothing in return you know it's bragging rights don't mean nothing to me i just enjoy my own line of dogs and they suit me they please me i've tried for years to try to you know i don't breed much maybe once or twice a year or something but i try my hardest to try to get them in good hands but it's a political circle anymore unless you're this you know you like to brag i guess you can do good but i'm just i'm not cut out like that me either my grandma told me said she said son if you don't toot your horn nobody's gonna do it for you so (laughs) 
I said, well, I guess, I guess nobody will know much about me because I can't make myself do it a lot. I've got, I've got some semen on him. So I'll be, uh, you know, as, as far as my own breeding, I have never bred a female that did not suit me in the woods. I bred him to a, a female from Alabama. And I told the guy, I said, I'll meet you down in Lexington. I said, but I'm just going to let you know that I am going to hunt her before I breed her. She wasn't in heat yet. And I said, if she's just something I don't feel like I'm confident enough to breed, if she doesn't show me much, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to spend the money on the semen to breed her. I had Rambo was alive at the time, but he, he had a heat stroke when he was four or five. And I never, I never could get him bred live. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like he got too hot and I, I couldn't ever get nothing bred live. So I had to use semen on him. And uh, he said, well, I, I totally understand. I, I said, I'm just not going to breed a brood dog. You know, if I'm going to spend money, you know, my time, it means something to me. Everybody's different. But my time that I spend in the woods with pups, it, it means something to me. And if I'm going to breed a female to one of my males, it's I want the odds to be better as far as a coon dog to coon dog. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't ever competition hunted or nothing. Just a pleasure dog. And I treat some coons with her. I let the guy know. I said, hey, you know, she showed me enough. She was independent enough. Good tree dog. I, I went ahead and bred her. He called me after them pups were born. He said, you'll never believe how many she's had. She had 17 pups. Holy smokes. That's one of the biggest litters I've heard of. It's the biggest litter I've ever heard of. I've been breeding dogs <laughs> for 20 years. 17 pups. He lost, He did lose half the litter, which yeah, that's... He still that's had a, a lot of puppies. <laughs> yes, she had, uh, I think, nine of them. But I called the guy, and I said, uh, I said, you know what? I said, I'll... I think I end up meeting him again down in Lexington and right around the time them pups would be weaned. I said, if you want to just meet me down at, uh, at, down at the winter classic. I'll just, I'll just take a pair of pups. I took two. And I named one of them rampage at the time was his name. I ended up keeping him and he was t- my ramrod dog. I had, you've seen me probably post on him. Mm-hmm. He was colored up. He looked just like him. And he ended up, it was the first time that I actually started giving pups any puppy, like straight puppy chow. You know, everybody talks, well, they grow so much better and everything else. And I posted a picture of him and a a guy told me, he said, looks like that pup's starting to get rickets. I said, well, you know, I never had rickets before, never had any clue about it. I gave him the calcium pills and all this stuff and my dad finally he said, he said, I'm going to tell you an old Indian trick, straighten that dog right out. He said, forget all that other stuff. They go get you some organic bone meal. He said, put that in that dog's feed. And it's for plants. Mm-hmm. I put it in that dog's feed. And it wasn't a week later. It, it straightened him out. But I I think where he had gotten, it had gone so long, you know, because I, I did the calcium stuff for probably a month. And he just never would straighten out until I did that bone meal. And this little thing right here, he he reminded me a lot of his daddy. You cut him loose. It, it wasn't nothing for him. You know, six, seven months old, he'd go a mile right by himself. And after after one drop, I'd go get that pup, and he'd uh, he'd start limping. The next day, his, his one paw right there would be swolled up, looked like he had a baseball in it. So I ended up giving him to a young boy. He was pretty well crippled. I said, I said, buddy, I said, for a first dog, I said, he'll run tree coon. I said, but he's only good for a drop or two. He, I don't know if it's where he hunted so hard. He just got lame on me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up keeping him for, for quite a while. And I ended up getting that litter mate that I had back. I think I was partners with him from a boy from Illinois. He ended up getting out of coon hunting, moving to Tennessee, and I got him back, and I ended up keeping him for a while. His name was Full Throttle Rampage was his name. He placed at English Days as a two-year-old. 
third place registered and that dog ended up getting limes and Erlichia both. He'd get treated. I don't care if it was 30 degrees, 20 degrees. It could be cold. He'd, he started chewing real bad, and I never could. He was a night champion. I never could finish him out. At two would always catch him. Hmm. Uh, so I sold him to a pleasure hunter. He just got too hot. But now, I don't know if people say you can give a dog that doxycycline for for a month and then to put it back in dormant and they're good for a while till they flare up again. Yeah, you know, I make catch it. If you catch it early enough, you can, you can put a dent in it, but a lot of times we don't catch it until it's too late. Yeah. So that's, that's what happened to him. And, uh, he, he was a real nice dog. It was that female from Alabama. A lot of people have, have gotten a hold of me as far as, uh, starting, starting pups. So and, uh, how did you get into the starting puppy game? Well, you know, it all went back to the black dog. I had fun with her and then, uh, then Rambo starting him from scratch, started his litter mate from scratch. You know, I had that hooker dog. She was, she was barely started. She'd run a tree of a hot, easy coon most of the time. He bred her once. I bred her three times, never could get pups. I ended up getting one pup out of her. I actually bred her back to Rambo, half brother, half sister. That pup ended up getting run over at seven months old. I've just always, for whatever reason, I've I've always just bought puppies, you know, off, off weaning. I just enjoy watching them grow. I enjoy fooling with them out here in the yard. You know, when they're young, I don't just throw them out in the kennel and, wait till they're a year old and try to make a coon dog out of them. I do a lot of fun, you know, the five, six, seven months old, I'll start fooling with them as far as handling some, mm -hmm. just the basics. Yeah, you know, that's, I, I love doing that, but I got burnt out on it. I don't know, <laughs> five or six years ago. And well, probably not quite that long, probably about four years ago. And then I'd, fooled with a couple of puppies since and sold them and i've got one now that i've got pretty high hopes for i'm pretty excited about so, yeah i like i like watching them flip yeah it's it, it's time for me to to start another one but i and it was my favorite thing to do i you know i i like to of course i'm not a guy that goes out and buys a lot of dogs i pretty much raise what i hunt and I've bought a few, I bought, you know, I bought my foundation, but anymore, the ones that I'm hunting now, if I go to a hunt, I've raised it or I own the daddy or the mother. It's to me, it's that much more rewarding when you raise something from a puppy and they, and they grow into a mature coon dog and you, you know, I'm not one that's able to afford to travel these roads all the time myself out of my own pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, can't put my own stuff heavy. I, I go to what I'm able to go to. There's there's times when I can't even afford to go to a little $30 hunt, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I got a family now and stuff. But so puppies, they've, they've just always been my thing. You know, if, if I can try to get them in somebody's hands uh, that's able to do that, you know, I'll do that. I uh, the Oakwoods wild crow dog, I actually called Asa and I was real, you know, I've had people ask me about the dog. I bought him. I think he was, I didn't raise him from a pup. I, I got him at 18 months old and he needed, he needed quite a bit of work, but, uh, we hunted before I was ever dating my wife or anything, six, seven nights a week. I'd hunt late, go, go to work tired. He, that dog had something. I called Asa. I said, Asa, I said, I've got something here. And I said, I'm not, I'm not able to do any justice with him. Truth be told, he's not my, my cup of tea. I said, but I got him ready. Asa's went on to win a lot with that dog. He's, he had, he's pretty successful with him. He said, he's got a couple courts to him, but you know what? He's, he's done some winning. He's first strike dog and he is fast. That sucker there, he's, He's got coon on his mind. He he is quick. Sometimes a little too quick, but he's he's definitely 
And I think Asa, they say he loves them as much as that Ruby dog he had. Mm-hmm. I tried a couple others off Jack and stuff, you know, but I never did have much success out of them as far as what I like in a dog, not, not knocking the, you know, the Jack dogs or nothing, but they just weren't, they weren't something that suits me. That's and, right. Uh, everybody's got a flavor. That's right. We're all different and that's what makes it interesting. You know, if I'm a diehard, diehard English guy, I'll just tell it like it is, you know, if the jealousy and the, and the politics and all this stuff would, and guys would, would try to compliment traits that they have or, or want, not because of what they're seeing. If you get on Facebook and you blow something up good enough, you know, yeah, you're going to have people flocking to you. There's a lot of good, I know a lot of good houndsmen out there, a lot of guys out there that are, they have done their own thing for years, you know, like I have. They just aren't getting acknowledged like I think they ought to, just because of the. Hey, y'all. Tyler here from Coonutton University. So I'm here to talk to you a little bit about our great sponsor, Extreme Dog Fuel. I personally swapped to Extreme Dog Fuel. Ago, man, I've been blown away by the results. I'm going to talk to you about some of the benefits of the 30-20 real quick. It's an all-life stage formula, high percentage of available calories for canine athletes, high levels of vitamins and minerals offer quicker recovery and healing, high-quality source of carbohydrates, maintain body condition during peak work periods, extremely palatable, and is loaded with probiotics. Extreme Dog Fuel has actually been told the minerals and the quality of the products that they put in their food is actually overkill, but they don't believe it is. Extreme Dog Fuel has not experienced a price increase since 2017. I believe that speaks a lot about them. It is an outstanding dog food, and I encourage everybody to check it out. Go to ExtremeDogFuel.com and find a retailer near you today. The circle that's out there. Well, that goes back to what my grandma said. If you don't toot your own horn, nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. Um, you, you, but yes. Yeah. So you're you're a handler for some folks. Those guys they are mainly getting you to take them to PKC hunts, or they're getting them getting you to you know title their dog up in UKC, or or how's that work? Yeah, I've handled. Uh, you know, I handled for some guys through the years, just here and there. You know, when I. When I didn't have a young dog or something ready for the hunts, Johnny Watkins, he called me over the fall. I, I get laid off in November. Yeah, it gets too work, cold up there for your line of work, doesn't it? Well, tell every, <laughs> tell the listeners what you do for a living. Yeah, I, uh, I'm an asphalt and I, I pave roads. So once it gets too cold, we're, we're shut off till spring. I usually start back in April. So I got I got four hard months there. And I can, uh, I can run the hunts pretty steady for somebody, you know, but Johnny Watkins called me and he knew I had just sold, uh, the Ramble Ramrod dog I had. I, I sold him for some pretty good money trying to get him. You know, he was, he was worthy to be taken to town it, more than, more than I could ever do. And I just didn't want to see another, another good one sitting, you know? So Johnny called me and he said, Hey, he says, would you be interested in, in, uh, in hunting a dog for me? I said, well, what do you got? He had two, two Walker females over there. And, and I went over to his house and he mentioned the fire female he had. She's a grand knight. And then this other one, she's just a night champion dog. And uh, he said this, he said, you, might like this ruby dog more he said i don't know he said he said load fire up see if you like her take her on a hunter so i threw her in the dog box and he stood there by the truck and he started thinking he said no nah. he said pull her out and load up ruby right he said she's pretty well stone cold silent he said she's usually lone and she's she's more of a coon dog he said i said well it sounds about more like what i'm looking for you know so I started hunting her some and ran her some PKC for him. And he was wanting to maybe run for the state race. And we was doing, I think I only lost two casts with her. Johnny ended up getting a truck ticket to the, the pro sport. We went out to Oklahoma. I started watching the weather and I, I called Johnny. I said, I said, and I said, looking awful nasty out there. 
we got, I think it was a half inch of ice. And we, my cousin went with me. We, we ended up having to pull over in Missouri, getting a motel for the night. I called a fellow English man, uh, Brandon Gaines. I said, Hey, I said, I know the weather's nasty. I said, but I'm down here a day early. You care to, you care to cut me loose at least once. I just want to see if these coon are going to move at all. I just want to see how she'll operate in Oklahoma too, you know. Mm-hmm. We cut loose and we didn't hear her for a while. She went a half mile one way, half mile the other way, and she ended up a half mile back behind us. She ended up getting a tree and she ended up having a coon in that tree. And we ended up getting in the, what we want our cast first night. We got in the top 16 down there. And uh, that was. It was kind of one of them iffy casts that makes you scratch your head. Like, why am I doing this? You know, kind of got a kind of couple guys going back and forth all night. You know, I treat her. I, you know, I, I started looking at my garment. I said, there ain't no way I'm going to hear this dog. Cause I hunted, I hunted her just about every night when I had her over here. There ain't no way I'm going to hear this dog. And she was 1.2. Them guys were, we was listening. I had the six running on every dog and, Finally, them judged, well, let's go back this way. And I finally said, whoa. I heard her locate. I said, can you hear me? Judd said, yeah. I said, tree ruby. This other guy, you know, all the way to the tree was saying, trying to tell the judge I treat his dog and everything. And I finally just told him, I said, buddy, I said, that's your dog in there. I said, won't you just do what I did and tree your dog? I said, I'll take my minus if mine's not there. I said, that's Ruby. Sure enough, that's that's what happened. And his dog was in a hole about 700 yards closer than what she was. And uh, she had a coon, got in the top 16, and we drew out uh, Dalton Cummins with the shack dog and a young dog off of him. And I forget what the other dog was, but I had to cast one for the, I think, last 20 minutes of the hunt. She just started to fall apart on me. She kind of quit hunting on me. And I finally just withdrew after they put the 15 on me twice. I called Johnny and I think he was a little upset, you know, but next morning she was in heat. She was that, that close to getting in the final four. And I'm just glad she acted good. Well, it was bad timing regardless, but most of them act goofy a week or two before they come in, you know. I know it. I prefer to hunt females and <laughs> and I got a kennel full of them and yeah, they they start acting weird and it usually hits me all within about a month because they're all kenneled beside one another. They're kind of in they're kind of synchronized with one another. Yeah, they they just bring them all in, won't it? Mhm. Yeah, females females can aggravate me more than anything. I prefer a male, personally. You know, I can, a lot of people say they're too stubborn and stuff, but I can usually take that stubbornness right out of them. I just get along with females better. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> just, I'm hard-headed too, so, I don't know. I, I, the two males that I have, I, I love them dearly, and they're fine hounds. And I'm I'm wondering if I'm going to replace them when they get old and die because I've got daughters out of both of them, and I've had the opportunity to keep male dogs, and I just for some reason I never ever do. <laughs> I prefer I just prefer the females. Somebody tells me, well, you know, they come in heat every year at the time at the worst possible time. I'm like, yeah, but that male dog he's in heat every day. <laughs> so, uh, and it's cost me. The last two years at the Tournament of Champions, I'm fortunate enough to live about 15 miles from where they hold the region hunt in the southeast. And Nellie did it to me last year, and Maggie did it to me this year. And they're half-sisters. <laughs> Once. <laughs> well, now you know when they're going to come in on you. Yep. Yep. So probably I just need to hunt a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I told Johnny, as a market on your calendar so you don't try to get another entry that close to time but yeah she's uh i told johnny i said if you i said if you need a handler for four months while i'm off work i said you got one i said because as far as the walker dog and i've i've had just about most breeds you know i haven't had no luck personally with a walker dog but i know they're out there i've hunted with some good ones she's she's definitely uh 
she's definitely a coon dog. I could, I was tree and coon with her six inches of snow on the ground, you know, and most people weren't doing, weren't even trying to even hunt. I was out there tree and coon with her. I'd be the one sitting on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy hunting that kind of stuff. It, especially a, a two, a two year old, you know, it's the last, it's the last hard winter. You need to put one on one. I like to, I kind of hope it's rough. I want to test them. You bet. So, before we wind up, you need, I guess I need to circle back a little bit and we'll talk about your English dog some more. I, I never did ask you, what do you call your kennel and, and how did you come up with it? Well, I call my kennel name uh, Calvary Hill English now. Mm-hmm. You know, before that I had, I, I went by full throttle, mm-hmm. you know, before seven years ago. I uh, I gave my heart to the Lord, and I give all the praise and glory to Him for all things. I just thought Calvary Hill, you know, Christ gave His life for me on Calvary Hill. That, that'd be a good name for for a line, you know. It you fits me. Might not fit others, but it fits me. Well, I thought that was, I I kind of knew the answer, and I just wanted the <laughs> listeners to hear that. I thought it would be significant, and, and you know, it's pretty impactful. That, yeah. Uh, you know that decision uh, that we all get to make or don't make, um, you know, and in your case, it kind of defines who you are and, and you wanted to show your reverence in the way you name your dog. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely life changing. It, it changed my, you know, before it was full throttle and that's pretty well the lifestyle I live was full throttle. Now it's, you know, I just enjoy just doing my own thing and, handle dogs for people if they want I'm, I'm fair and easy to get along with it's just some it's just a passion i i think when people are truly passionate about something you know they'll they'll be patient that's what a lot of a lot of people need to put a little more patience into a lot of young dogs nowadays and that's what i'm saying about rambo you know a lot of guys would have lost patience with him but he showed me that patience it paid off. I can, I can overlook some things. I'm if I see some traits in a dog that I really like, I might overlook a couple things just to give that dog just that much longer of a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, first thing I, you know, I got a young one off off of you out here. First thing I ask you, do they naturally hunt by themselves? And that's, that's what I look for as far as breeding. I want that natural, I want to go gear to them, mm-hmm. you know. I don't care if they're running a mouse. Don't rub my ankles. Yeah. Uh, you know, heart heart goes a long way for anything. If a dog's going to give you its heart and pour its heart into something, I think, you know, we ought to even, you know, you got to put the good with the bad because I'm just here to tell anybody that's, that raises pups and, and most guys, I was going to tell you the, to name this don't forget the little man because most of these big name dogs that are doing all this winning is from a guy like me that's that can't afford to you know they don't get recognized you know like the guy that spends the hours the money the time the patience that it takes to truly make these dogs that goes a long ways yeah i think that's a a fitting end or icing on the cake or however you want to put that paul um I, we've been going about all oh, a little over an hour now so i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day i know you had a hard day today it was long you told me yesterday that they were going to keep you over and you had to do some overtime so and i know it's friday night and and i appreciate you sitting down with me and 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 doing this i think the listeners are going to really enjoy it the backbone of our sport is the the guy, in a lot of cases, the girls, who just want to go out and have fun with their dog. And, you know, most of us are never going to sell one for crazy money. No. Um, I, I never set out to do that. I just, I go because I love it and... Sounds to me that's the same reason you do it. Absolutely. 
I'm, I work for a living. I ain't trying to sell dogs for a living. Exactly. I've got a career. <laughs> I don't need another one. So yeah. with that being said, Paul, I sure appreciate it. And I think we've shined this tree pretty good, but you got anything else you want to add? No, that, that should, that should wrap it up. I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting U. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.